0: 755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty it is on the air now. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to 755 is real, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic, I'm with my co-host Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's going on, Eric? What's up, Dave? How you doing, man? Good. You recover from your wiffle ball tournament?
1: No. Huh? No, I'm hurting. I, my hangovers last like three days. I don't know why. I'm getting old.
0: Wait, but how you got a hangover from a wiffle ball tournament?
1: Because we were in the sun drinking the whole day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so they like to bring in the ringer for the wiffle ball tournament, bring in the former major league pitcher and have you pitch?
1: No, I sucked. Those balls move like, you know, 15 feet.
0: So yours probably moves 20 feet, feet, huh?
1: I couldn't throw a strike. It's a lonely feeling even when you're in a wiffle ball tournament and can't throw a strike. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and everybody knows, everybody there knows that you're a oh, former yeah. big leaguer and you're like, yeah. oh, holy shit, this guy can't even throw a strike in wiffle ball.
1: Yep. Oh, they love it. They loved it. They love watching me squirm. <laughs> it's okay. I'm going to practice for next year.
0: Where's this wiffle ball tournament? Walla Walla?
1: Yeah. Yeah, this dude that – Walla
0: Walla wiffle ball.
1: They, it was funny because they told me I could get on the wait list, and I was like, "I'm not on a wait list for a damn wiffle ball tournament. If you don't have a spot for me, I'm out." And my buddy was telling me about it for a couple of years. They do it every summer. They get tons and tons of people out there—about you know sixty dudes and four people on a team. It's one of the best times I've had. But I wound up getting in last minute, and I said, "Screw it, I'll go play." And it was definitely worth it. I mean, just a just a good time. Yeah, Those are you were would... things. What'd you say?
0: You would think they would make room for a former major leaguer. I don't know. Maybe it's just me.
1: That was kind of my mindset, but <laughs> now I'm now I'm in. If you if you play, you got a spot the next year, and I'm not giving my spot up. Shit's fun.
0: See, they could put that on the on the uh, ads next year on their when they, however they fuck it, solicit participants. Well, they
1: don't really do it. It's just at former a guy's major house. Major leaguers. <laughs> he's got he's got a bunch of property, and they set up real fields with real fences and really? boards and. It's a, it's a, it's a good, it's just a party. It's not really like a open invitation to the city. They just find a bunch of people they like, but the dude owns one of the better bars in town. So he knows enough degenerates to, to put it together and make it pretty fun.
0: I'm waiting for some uh, A place of the day to appear on sports center, man, from this thing with the fields and all that manicured.
1: It was sick. It was cool. I'm doing it again.
0: Speaking of sick, we'll get to, uh, We'll get to Jack Peterson here in a second. Um, Jacob deGrom and Francisco Linder are both on the IL for the Mets. We keep waiting for the Mets to kind of uh, put some distance between them and the field, and it ain't happening. Um, Suddenly, the Phillies (laughs) are arguably the most formidable team in the East, or at least the hottest team in the East right now, which I don't think anybody – I think we all kind of thought the Phillies were going to drop off and they haven't, and right now they are look like the biggest threat for the Mets, but I think this race is going to come down to who wants to make the biggest deal at the trade deadline, and we know, Dave, we know Dave Dombrowski, if whatever he's got, resources, he will gladly spend them if he thinks he can make a deal to put this team over the top. Well, with,
1: I mean, what, they're two and a half back now? That's kind of the thing is, I mean, you look at what the Braves are doing, and, and it's tempting to just call it a year, you know, how much they've struggled, how things have gone. But then you look around the division, you're like, nobody's just hands down better than them. As bad as things have gone and as bad as they've played, they could, I mean, they could get hot the next couple of weeks, but it, it's definitely going to, somebody has to separate themselves. And I don't I bet you we're still right here when the deadline comes. And it's, that's going to yeah. be a real tough decision for a GM.
0: And now the Phillies, uh, Braves go head to head with the Phillies and the Bats, nine games in eight days starting Thursday. Could be first place. Could be. Um, I wrote about this. uh, I wrote about this uh, a couple days ago. You said it's tempting to kind of just say, you know, it's not our year and give up. And what people maybe don't realize is, it's not. It's beyond the decision that it might have been years ago uh, at Turner Field or at the former ballpark for that, because the Braves have so much tied up. Financially, in getting people to keep coming to the ballpark, both at the battery, the restaurants and the bars, and all that over there, because they're, they're, they are, those are cash registers right now. They are bringing in money because this place is packed. They've had, I think it's 10 sellouts now because they just sold out one uh, in the series that just completed against the Rays. And they've only
1: been at full capacity for,
0: since the third homestand. So they've sold out nine or 10 games. They're leading the majors in home attendance. So right now they are fully exploiting that to get, I mean, they're making money at where they made no money last year on all of that, obviously when there were no games and then there was no attendance. Uh, so now they're packing a place for the most part. And they got some really attractive matchups too in the second half. And the Braves get a piece of that. All that goes on in the battery, you know, the restaurants bars, all that. So, they're, they're they they can not afford really to wave the white flag and tell everybody okay these games we're we're giving up on the season. Thanks for coming, you know, and because you're gonna watch the walk up crowds just disappear, uh especially on bad weather days or whatever, and it's also gonna really hurt next year's uh season ticket base if you were to give up now rather than pushing you know so especially in a race that's winnable, the signal it sends is not good, so that's why I don't think you're gonna see the braves give up. I think I don't think make. That. They're either going to make small moves to try to stay in it, or they're going to make big moves and go for it, try to win this thing. And I will not be at all surprised if they make a pretty big move.
1: I'm trying to think. Because even when I played, you know, like once September hit, usually attendance would fall off once football started. But I think the the years that we were in it, we definitely drew better. But if they need that attendance, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see.
0: Yeah, it's a factor. I mean, and they're and they're they're getting good attendance, man. Yeah. And last night that place was packed for the Padres before the game was banked. I mean, people were it was already pretty much three quarters full before the game was banged at like eight. And it was a dreary day all day. It didn't look like they could play all day. So um got to play one against the Padres today. They're gonna try to tonight. We'll forecast this again bad. If they were at a day game today, they'd get this thing in, but I don't know about tonight. But anyway, they gotta they gotta get these games in. And then they got a doubleheader Wednesday before they go on the road and play nine games in eight days against the Phillies and Mets. So, if you think about it, it's three games in two days plus nine and eight. They got 12 games in 10 days starting today, starting tonight.
1: Hopefully, they just get hot and make a
0: big move. It's the Padres, Phillies, and Mets. Um, bad time for Ian Anderson to be on the IL, obviously, because they're going to need a sixth starter.
1: Do you get a, any more information on that, or is it just the
0: inflammation? Just inflammation. That's all we heard. He's set down for seven to ten days and uh then they'll reevaluate. But for now, that's what we got. And you know, it's gonna be interesting. Will the Mets make the big move? They got the big talking owner that says they're in this to win it, you know, and all that. He's uh, uh, he's indicated in the past that he's willing to spend and all that. Well, now they got a need, they're gonna have a need. Will they uh will they try to? I mean, Jacob Degrom's been kind of iffy all year. He dominates when he's when he's in there, and then he's something nagging. He comes out of the game, so I don't know that they can count on him for the whole stretch drive. But they certainly need him to to do what they want to do. But then Lindor was starting to perform a little, a lot better, and uh, now he's on the IL. So, did they make a move to add? I don't know. I don't know. That's that's
1: the situation with the Mets always. When when you watch their seasons, it's yeah. It's like every time they start putting it together, there's some big injury or when they have everybody, they just go through a shitty stretch. But that, that's another reason why, you know, me watching it, it's like, yeah,
0: as just bad as it's it. gone
1: for the Braves, they, the Mets can, they can go south for them quick. You know I mean? It's, it's, I think it's a lot of the pressure playing in New York. Um, they did switch up ownership, which I think, you know, looking from the outside seems they've made a huge difference, but I'm always kind of watching them like this, this thing could fall apart any minute and the Braves are four back. You know, if the Phillies made some huge moves and took off, you know, maybe that'd make you doubt it. But yeah, when you're four and a half back, man, I mean, it, it you can come back in a week.
0: I know. And fans, I understand the frustrations and they're all mm-hmm. like "Oh, football's about to start give up. Don't trade any of the young guys uh, retool for next year and everything. But that's not how the teams think when they're in it for the most part. And that's not so how the, the teams, players yeah. think for sure especially not a team that's won three in a row. And just the factors I just stated, you know, about attendance and how important it is and all that. But when you've won three in a row, you're not ready to give it up when you're four or five games back with mm-hmm. 70 to play, you know, no. and you got a GM that's been there to the playoffs six years in a row. And you got a guy like Freddie Freeman, who's in the prime of his career. You're not ready to just give this thing up and aim for next year. It's not that easy. And they're they not thinking from a fan's perspective and, that's good because, yeah. <laughs> you know, this is their livelihood. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if they've got a chance to get in the tournament, I think baseball players know what a crap shooter can be in the postseason once you get in there, how much it depends on how good your starter is that night. And if you get a start like Max Freed had a couple of days ago or start like Charlie Morton has produced in most of his games lately, who's to say they can't win at least a division series?
1: But that was always the logic. Mm-hmm. That like my, The whole time I was playing, it was just find a way to get your foot in the door. You know, if you if you were close enough to strike and maybe just get into the playoffs, everybody believed anything can happen once you get in and you just go for it. You find a way to get in. And even if you look at the Braves, if you got a good start from Charlie and Freed, and then you have Smiley's throwing the ball well or or Muller keeps doing what he how he's looked, you can you could beat a lot of teams.
0: Especially if you had a bullpen piece. Yeah. We'll get to that. But uh, you know, it's funny because uh, Brace fans that are old enough, uh, which I would hope is most of these most Braves fans, to remember how many times the Braves were on the other foot, are are on the other end of this equation, because there were so many team times where they were the, clearly the best team in the division, if not the best team in the league, where they won ninety five to ninety eight games or whatever, and then they got in the postseason and lost in the first or second round. Yep. And that it's just it just underscores how anything can happen, and the best team over the course of one sixty two is. Uh, uh, quite often not the team that wins in a short series. No. Or goes all the way. It's rarely no, you see, do you even see the best team, record-wise, yeah. win the whole thing.
1: Wild card teams win it.
0: Yeah. So, like, we've they, seen it, the Cardinals we've seen it were 10 repeatedly. games back. But I think we had ties. 10 game.
1: Were we 10 more than the Cardinals in 2012? Yeah. You know, I mean, teams just sneak in and then get hot at the right time. And Nationals? Nationals, yeah. I, I think it's just – it's. I don't know if that mindset's still as strong as it used to be because of the, the way that, you know, they're analyzing it and saying what our real odds are, whether they're going to tear right. it down or keep going. you know, I've brought up before, but I saw the Mariners win 89 games two or three years ago, maybe four years ago, and they decided to rebuild. And the city hasn't been to the playoffs since 2001. And I was looking at it like, man, do you know what to do for this city just to get a first-round knockout in the playoffs, but yeah. just for people to get to go to go Field yeah. and feel that energy of a playoff series. And they said, well, we know we can't get past the Astros, and they did a rebuild. That that logic's brand new. It didn't used to be like that. It was just get your foot in the door and see what
0: happens. And too often, these rebuilds don't work. Not the way they would. Look at, look at Seattle. Look at Pittsburgh. Yeah. How many times has Pittsburgh rebuilt without even going to the postseason? You know? Yeah. You can try to rebuild and say you're rebuilding, but there's no guarantee that rebuilding is going to result because you got injuries, you got underperformance, you can project all you want, but you can't project injuries and you can't project guys' mentality. Some guys just don't have it to do what yep. you think. They, they're they not going to just keep developing because that's what people do.
1: Yeah. And if you dick it up, you set your city back another six years.
0: And try to get so people now, to come out then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've watched it firsthand here where it's, you know, I know <laughs> – I meet Mariners, I'll talk to dude at the golf course or somewhere out and they're asking me what I think of the Mariners. And I'm just like, you know, I really haven't watched because I know they have a process going right now. So I don't, I don't really have any take on what they're doing. I think they're starting to play better and and do more, but those rebuilds, man, if you mess them up, it's, it sets you back another six or seven years.
0: And you rebuild around a guy like Hanniger, Then you trade him before you get good. You know, it's mm-hmm. like rebuilds just a, rarely do they work. And the Braves got lucky. their rebuild work. It worked faster than they had anticipated. Three years. They went from, you know, 90 losses to three straight years with 90 wins. You know, so, but that's, there's, and there's wasn't the total teardown rebuild that some have been, although yeah, it really was, even though they said they were walking they were being competitive while rebuilding. They really weren't, but, uh, they hit on guys like Acuna. I mean, you just couldn't, who weren't even that It didn't even cost that much to sign guys. That
1: so played. much of that's luck.
0: Yeah. Now, yeah. And a guy like Freddie wanting to stay here, you know, rather than wanting to be traded, you know, guy like Ozzy. you know?
1: Yeah. It, it wasn't even the, the big picks and the stuff you get, you know, trading guys away or, or mm-hmm. losing and getting that high draft pick that did it.
0: So uh, it's gonna, I think it's going to come down to who, who makes the biggest moves at the trade deadline, really, if, if, who makes an, the one impact move. I mean, can you imagine this Braves team, how the outlook changes if they, if they were to swing, say, next week a deal for Joe, Joey Gallo Andy and Ian Kennedy from the Rangers, their closer? All of a sudden, it doesn't fix everything, but that bullpen looks a lot tougher when you've got another closer in there who's been really lights out this year, and you can yeah. move everybody else down a spot. You know,
1: I think that would be really big, you know, Um, just just stabilizing that pen a little bit, moving, moving a few guys back. You know, the the thinner you get, all of a sudden you have guys that aren't able to match up and get those easy outings that build confidence. Mm -hmm. You have to start throwing them in the eighth when maybe they're not ready or throwing them in a big situation where they're not ready and then they give it up. And then it's a thing. And now the bullpen is struggling. You know, every every spot you can stabilize in that pen is huge.
0: Yeah. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Kyle Muller, uh, who they sent down to, to Gwinnett just before the break, only because they didn't need five starters that last week. Cause he was pitching really well. That that started Cincinnati was outstanding, but he'll be back from uh triple a to start. He was going to start Monday series opener instead he starts tonight, which is now the series opener after Monday's game was rained out. So he goes against the Padres tonight. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, see what he does against that lineup. Uh God, I just wish Acuna was playing and we'd have Tatis and Acuna mm-hmm. in the same series. Yeah. That would be outstanding, man. But uh yeah. gets the start. He was one, he had 1-8-0 ERA in his two starts to Quinnette, two walks, 15 strikeouts, which is obviously encouraging. He kept doing what he was doing here. Um then you play a double header Brazen Padres on Wednesday, provided they can get it in. Forecast looks bad tonight. Looks a lot, looks better Wednesday, but Got a split doubleheader. Gotta hate those split doubleheaders. We talked about that. They suck. Noon and 5 o'clock starts. I guess, though, you got a five-hour window to get the first one in if you have a couple of rain delays.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can move the that. first one up, you know, if, if you see that the rain's coming at 7 o'clock or whatever it is. You can't move that. Or the second one, you can't move it up. No. Yeah. It's got to be that late, late start time.
0: Yeah. Uh, they'll play that split doubleheader, and then the Braves go on the road for 9 – Games in eight days is going to could very well decide the uh the season, you know, at least right up to the trade deadline. So it's going to be uh, this is uh, we've said it a hundred times, but this really is the stretch where the season is going to be determined, I think, between that and the trade deadline that's right there. So these next couple of weeks, uh, you got Tukey Tassan. I'm really looking forward to seeing Tuki in game one of the doubleheader on Wednesday. He has been all year on the D on the IL with a shoulder issue. Really looked good in his last couple of rehab starts at Gwinnett. Two and O, one five O ERA, 075 WHIP, a one thirty two opponents at batting average in those two starts. Great strikeouts to walk ratio. If he can kick that into this start, keep doing what he was doing there. It's going to be interesting. He could also draw some attention from uh, other suitors, you know, because he's kind of going to make two or three starts if he uh, if he's if he's if he looks good because they need him. With Ian out.
1: Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of dudes that, you know, I think Tukey and Kyle have been guys that you don't want to give up on, but they, they, if they got that change of scenery, they're the type of guys that with a fresh start could Kyle go Wright. somewhere. And that, yeah. Kyle, right. Um, I feel like yeah. they could, they could be the guys that you trade and it comes back to bite you.
0: Yeah. I, but, I definitely agree on Tukey.
1: But, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see what they do because I think a lot of teams will still be interested with the stuff they got.
0: Yeah, and still young, too. Mm -hmm. Tukey was a former first-rounder. He's still young. I know it seems like he's not because he got here so early, but he's young, man. Still throws hard. Still got a terrific breaking ball. Uh, Still athletic. Charlie Morton starts the second game of that doubleheader, by the way, Wednesday. So, The other thing I want to ask you about, (laughs) this is crazy, man. I've never seen anything like the Braves this year with their catchers. They traded for, they have gone through, I think, all of the mid 30s catchers, guys that are hanging around <laughs> backup types, mid-30s. They've used them all this year. They've acquired and used them all. Because they just got Stephen Vote a couple of days ago. 36 years old, nine year yeah. veteran. I mean, they Jonathan LaCroix played two games for the Braves, got DFA. You bring in Vogt, who's having a much better year, and who's really good, blocking balls, that kind of thing. Yep. But uh, And he comes in and has three hits in his first game with the Braves. Vote did. It his first start. <laughs> July, he's hit 381 with a 959 OPS and 23 plate appearances, seven games. So they're trying to catch, you know, guys swinging a hot bat right now. And they're trying to piece it together, as Snit said, until uh, Darno gets back. And that was a good pickup because they gave up nothing to get him. I mean, nothing. They gave up a 25-year-old rookie ball First baseman. I don't know what the diamondbacks were thinking. If they just got nobody offered anything for vote, but that was just a body they sent there. So uh but what is that with seven catchers in the first 90 games of a season, dude? What's that like for a pitcher?
1: I think it's hard on everybody. Yeah, it's always tough throwing to a, a new catcher because they're guessing. Yeah. You know, especially if you get traded you don't have time to catch pins. You don't have time to really work with the dudes, talk to them too much, talk to coaches about them. And all of a sudden you're just in a game and it's the seventh inning and a reliever comes in that you've never caught before. And if you're not, if you're not the type of relief pitcher and I wasn't that wants to call your own game and, and you're relying on the catcher, you know, my, my, my thing was, I was always like, you know, this guy's watched the whole game. He's watched what this guy's trying to do. Uh Um, I'd assume they know my stuff. They'd seen a few warming up. So I want to let the guy that's been back there the whole game dictate this inning. And you know, you throw to a new catcher and they don't know that about you and they're just kind of like fastball away, but you could see him kind of like tilt their head. Yeah. Is this what you like? Yeah. And you throw it and they think, well, this guy's a sinker guy. So then they call it again and again and again, and you go one Oh, two Oh, three Oh. And then they call something different. Maybe you throw a strike and they go back to your strength. You know when you have a catcher that you've been throwing to a lot they'll know all right if he misses with his sinker I need to call something to the other side of the plate or breaking ball to get him back in the count but it takes time to go through those battles with guys you know spring training things like that to learn them and when you get tossed as a catcher into a game and all of a sudden the dude's in trouble and you don't even know what he likes to do to get out of trouble it's just guessing you know so when that's not there it's there's just instant doubt, you know. When you see a catcher kind of tilt his head, like, "Is this what you like?" You <laughs> like a dog? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what I like. You know, I, I like yeah. to let you guys dictate that. You know, that kind of bit me a few times. It was easy for most of my career because I had BMac and Rossi and guys like that back there. Yeah, but when you get that feeling and you see, feel like the catcher's guessing, it's it's it puts doubt in your mind about the, the pitch you're about to throw. Versus when the when the catcher just throws it down hits his glove, like, let's go, you know, just that difference in, in the communication between you and the catcher gives you more confidence to throw the pitch. So I'm sure that's been hard, especially on relievers. Uh, starters get to spend a lot of time with them talking about it before the game, uh-huh. but relief pitchers, you know, a guy shows up, it's, you just kind of wing it. So I'm sure that's been hard. It's not easy on the catcher. It's probably a terrible feeling to be back there making yeah. calls to decide a game yeah. on a team. You have just Guess met everybody yesterday.
0: I guess and, the bullpen, they struggling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough spot. But a guy like at the Mentor, same time. You're trying to
0: help him through, you know, and, you, and, and he's just struggling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's probably, I mean, it's a part of it.
0: Get this, man. Drew Smiley, as well as he's pitched, this will even give more uh, appreciation of what he's done. The guy has had all seven catchers this year, his starts. <laughs> He's pitched to seven different catchers in his starts. He had six starts with William Contreras, three with Travis Darno, one apiece with Alex Jackson, Jonathan LaCroix, Jeff Mathis, and Stephen Vogt, and three with Kevin Smith. That's, that's tough.
1: insane. That is tough. I was watching the Luke start and he gave up. I wanted to see how it went. You know, I wanted to see, and he and he had a rough first inning. And then he locked in, you know, and then they cruise. But that's the that's the that learning curve of, you know, if you get in trouble, you're behind two. 0 do you want to throw a breaking ball or do you mm-hmm. want to challenge hitters? Do you like to be aggressive, not knowing and having to guess? And then there's you know, you always trust your catcher like they see something here so that that just discomfort between each other. You know, I mean, it takes time to to settle in. But I was watching that one and I mean, it's tough. He keeps you keep throwing to a new dude every time. That's tough.
0: I mean, I'd like to go back and look at like how many catchers during his entire Braves career Smoltz had or Maddox had or Glavin had when they were with the Braves. You know, like three, Mm -hmm. (laughs) three or four, (laughs) maybe a little more for Smoltz, but not many. I mean, not as many as this guy's had in one year. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's hard. Uh,
0: Speaking of mentor, man, this guy has been confounding this year, dude. Uh, Oh, they just changed. Something just changed on the Braves. We got news breaking as we're recording here. We got Tukey starting tonight and Mueller is game one tomorrow now. Morton is still game two tomorrow. So that was just changed. Okay. Tukey Toussaint starting tonight, Tuesday night. Mueller game one tomorrow. Morton game two tomorrow. But yeah, mentor, dude. What have you seen from mentor this year to make last year? This is a guy with a sub one ERA, and this year he's optioned back to Triple A.
1: Just you know, confidence, and and it's he has to be really good with with mm-hmm. the package he's throwing. You know, I saw him throwing a, a changeup at times, but that's that hasn't been a pitch for him as much. But you know, with with his stuff, he's got a forcing that seems to have some natural cut to it. Mm-hmm. And then he's got a cutter. So when he faces right handers, they know everything's coming into him. Um it, it makes it pretty easy for the hitters just to just to look in one spot. And if he doesn't paint that fastball away, um, it's they can just kind of zero in on one small zone against him, you know. And then if you couple that with not not throwing strikes, um It's going to be really tough. You know, he's never had a wipeout slider, which, you know, if he had Will Smith's breaking ball, yeah, he'd be unhittable.
0: I thought he did, you know, when he first came up that first year when he had like 16, 17 appearances at the end of the year, I thought he was going to have that slider, but yeah, it's never –
1: It's more of a cutter, and I've talked about that before. Like some guys just can't figure out how to manipulate the ball to get that depth to the breaking ball, and his has always just been kind of real side to side. But if you're always expecting the ball to cut a little bit, when mm-hmm. he throws a fast ball in, they will they can shut down on it, you know, because they think it's going to cut in off the plate. And his breaking ball does the same thing. Mm-hmm. So they're all looking for that same movement coming into him. It just it makes it really hard. You have to be locked in and he has to be on to put up his numbers. And yeah. when he's off, this is what's going to happen.
0: Had an 083 ERA in 22 appearances last season. Yep. That's starting to look like the outlaw, the outlier, though it's certainly not to the degree of, say, Mike Fulton. Just outlier of an all-star season. By the way, have you seen what Fulton's doing this year, man? Yeah, he's having a rough one. Near five ERA. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Over five ERA. He's got the second highest ERA in the majors, near six ERA. 28 home runs allowed already, dude. 28. We're 90 games into the season. Nobody else in the majors has allowed more than 21 homers. He's allowed 28. That hurts. Four homers the other day with five outs recorded.
1: Yeah, and that's that's actually kind of a pitcher's park from what I see. Yeah, it is. It's big. Baseball's like that, man. I mean... You could, and it's just like what I'm saying with Minner, if he, if he locks in and he makes his pitches and he's feeling good and his confidence is up, he can keep doing it. But when his confidence gets down and Uh maybe he starts trying to overthrow, you know, it's, people ask me all the time, you know, what the difference is between each level going up and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, you get into pro ball and everybody's kind of got the same skill set. And there's just guys that can separate by learning, you know, one wipeout pitch or they're mm-hmm. just so much tougher up here to keep it going. But most players are, you know, a bad couple of games or losing their confidence or, or a bad habit away from just completely sucking at all times.
0: Yeah. To give credence to that, what you were saying about probably trying too hard over over uh, overthrowing, his numbers get worse as you get runners on base, runners in scoring yep. position. He's really – last year he thrived in those spots and this year he's just basket case in those spots. Numbers wise, they're terrible. He's not even getting lefties out.
1: Okay. But if you, if you're in that situation and you got a one, two ERA and you've been hot, you know, what's an, what's a runner on first, no outs. But if you've had three, four, five bad games in a row and it starts up, it's like, you know, if I have this and I have another bad game, I'm still struggling. So there's that much more pressure to get out of it. You know, That's just that, here we go again, mindset that I talk about all the time. Um, you have to get out of that mentally as a player, but you can feel that energy in the crowd. You're the dude that's been sucking lately, and you walk the first dude, and they're booing, and it's yeah. it's it's all amplified, and and all that pressure builds so much more when you're struggling. That's why it's that's why it's so much harder for guys to get out of their struggles because of all the energy surrounding it, and you got to control your own brain too.
0: He's one of four four eight six ERA and forty two appearances. Uh, he struggled for like the last fifteen or so, but the last ten, it's been really. Uh, acute. He's seven, four, five ERA in his last 10 games. Two losses, two blown saves, 17 hits allowed, in 19, nine and two thirds innings. 17 hits, eight earned runs, four walks, and nine and two thirds innings. I mean, that's almost two hits, at two hits an inning.
1: Yeah. How many walks? Four. So he's done strikes at least. Well, somewhat. Four is still I'm, a lot of walks in nine. Yeah.
0: You know, when you go back, what's crazy is I remember when he came up in seventeen. He had that streak going. We hadn't walked anybody, and we're like, "This guy didn't walk anybody." That when he came up that year, uh, sixteen appearances in seventeen. When he got when he got brought up first time, twenty six strikeouts and two walks in fifteen innings that year. Conference. Anyway, very interesting. You know, after I thought, you know, with what Tomlin and him and all the work they have done mentally and physically, you know, during the shutdown last year during the pandemic back home in Texas, I thought really he'd turned his career around. I thought he had a new mindset, you know, aggressiveness and I had used that change up. And I just thought he was uh, going to be a different guy now. But this year has been a struggle. Yeah,
1: if he would have started the year hot, you know, I mean, for me, when I, when, if he was started the year hot, it could be a completely different year altogether. You know, so much of it is confidence and yeah, you lose it uh, man, you're in trouble.
0: Uh, the Braves, what stunk was uh, for the Braves, what sucked was that he blew that lead Sunday they had leads in the first and second games of that series against yep. the Rays. They could have easily swept the race, and they won one out of three games because they blew seventh-inning leads, um, the kind which they just did not blow last year. They won every one of those games last year when they had a lead after six innings. And this year they Wasn't won. Wasn't it 27-0 or something? Yeah. This year it's a coin flip, man. It's a coin flip. But uh, the one game they won against the Rays was like a high point one of the high points of the season so far in that Jock Peterson made his first start for the Braves, hits a home run. I mean, comes in, does the chop thing in the dugout, gets the panda hug with the the bear head from Sandoval and Max Freed had the, one of the most terrific all around games you're going to see from a pitcher in that, in that game. I mean, seven scoreless innings for the second time in his career, allowed four hits, one walk, Improved to his, his interleague record is astounding. Nine interleague starts, the guy's 8-0 with a 1.82 ERA career. Mm. But that was only the beginning of it. He goes three for three with a two-out, two-run single. He has a pickoff. The only guy that reached base in the first couple of three innings, well, he picked Wander Franco. He picked him off. Franco obviously doesn't know the move that Freed has. He picked him off at first base right away. So, I mean, he did – he showed everything that Free can do in that game. Uh, Snit compared him to Huddy, you know, the way Huddy used to be able to handle the bat and be athletic and all that. I think Free might be an even better hitter. Huddy was, like, a really great hitter in college. But uh, Free is – I think legit, like Ankeel, I think legit he could be a position player if he ever needed to or wanted to, you know, if he had to God forbid, some type of arm injury or whatever. But he looks that good at the plate and that good running.
1: Yeah. He, I don't think he'd have the power. To get that job, but right. he can definitely he has a good enough swing to. When you watch his swing, it's a good swing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a quality swing he puts on it. I think Jock was talking about that. Yeah. But uh, he's just a good athlete, you know.
0: Yeah, I don't think in today's game he'd have the power to do it, but he could hit yeah. for average and get on yeah. base. He's uh, nine for the, for the year. He's nine for twenty-seven. He's hitting three thirty-three, two doubles, five RBIs, two walks, and a seven eighty-seven OPS. Only pitcher with more hits is Jacob DeGrom. He's got 12. Peterson. Yeah, Peterson was funny. He said, he goes, the dude rakes. He said, he might have to be Shohei Tony soon, huh? I said, I think he had three hits. I'm like, man, I better start getting some knocks. The pitcher's getting knocks here. I better hurry up. He's got a pretty swing, too. He said, they weren't luck.
1: No. I think Jocko. he seems to be fitting right in already. Yeah,
0: yeah. He's got that type of personality. He's a perfect yeah. guy to trade for during the season because he just, boom. He's got
1: that look on his face, you know, I mean, he just, he, you kind of like him even if you don't know him because he always yeah. looks like he's just having fun, you know, he's yeah. got that. He looks like that guy that always has a joke he's not telling you about. Yeah. He you know, something say you hi know. to him. <laughs> yeah.
0: And he's not yeah. reluctant or whatever, or sheepish, nope. you know, he lets his personality flourish even within inner new surroundings, which is kind of yeah. hard. There's not many guys that can do that. And when he, Those are the kind of guys you want to get in a mid-season trade, obviously. Josh Donaldson's like that, you know. Yep. But uh, they didn't get him in a midseason trade. But those personalities that, uh, but Peterson doesn't rub anybody the wrong way, as far as I can tell. That are on his team, they really like the energy that he's brought so far. Uh, But in that game, by the way, Freed was only the second Braves pitcher this century, the first in 20 years to have at least three hits and two RBIs in a game. The last guy, Terry Mulholland. Yeah, not Smoltz. Terry Mulholland in 2000. Um. <laughs> the Rays must not have looked uh, too far into that scouting report. They are they. I thought it was a uh, it was a fluke when uh, Mattingly intentionally walked Kevin Smith with the bases loaded. Remember, and Freed stepped up and got that walk off hit. Yep. So they do the same. Cash does the same thing. Intentionally walks him with first base open. Intentionally walks Kevin Smith again with first base open. This time, Freed delivers again. So that's twice in two weeks that he's done that. Within, with Kevin Smith intentionally walked in front of him.
1: You're never going to assume. I don't care what pitcher, it is, unless it's Otani, You're never yeah. going to assume, you know, a guy that probably hits BP, you know, three, four times a week. It doesn't get it bad. It's like a, a a player that's dedicated his life to being able to hit. You're always going to pick the pitcher over yeah. a position player, you know. But if it backfires, it's awesome.
0: Freed's 18 pickoffs, by the way, since his debut season in 17, those are the most pickoffs in the majors in that span.
1: Who else has a lot? Kershaw. Kershaw gets quite a few. He's got a balk move. So does Freed.
0: It's the, everybody that has a good move is borderline balk move, isn't yeah. it? Yeah.
1: Julio. Julio's was a balk. They never called it.
0: Yeah. Freed, man. If I was at first base, if I was running with Freed, I would just stay there because I mean that move is so. You cannot tell when he's coming over.
1: They pick, he picks them off when they're not even going. You yeah. Know, they're going. They're going <laughs> okay. to get their secondary, and then the ball's coming to first.
0: Yeah, they have a pretty conservative lead, and all of a sudden the ball's there. It's like, holy shit, what happened? Yeah, <laughs> they always have I, that look. Like, what? What you even wrong <laughs> <laughs> it?
1: I lefty moves, man. For whatever reason, I could never sell one. And then there's dudes like Freed that can just their balance is so good and their and their tempo's so good when they're going to first, they can just sell it and and move the same, and then just come this way. It's a it's a great tool to have.
0: Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. Jocktober, Jock Peterson, the Braves hope that he's able to uh, show, has a chance to show why his nickname is Jocktober. This uh, Dodgers teammates gave him that because this guy has come through. They've got arguably the best uh, pitcher, postseason pitcher of the last five, six, seven years. Jock Peterson could make an argument he's the best hitter, of the last, postseason hitter in the last that same span because he is raked in the postseason. Again and again with the Dodgers, he did it beginning with his three homers in a World Series, what, 17? But he's had – the Braves have seen it a couple times. He's killed them a couple times in a division series and last year in the uh, LCS with the four-hit game last year with the three-run homer in the first inning when they blew him out in that first inning. This guy comes through in the, in the postseason. Braves just hope they got a chance. It helps them get That he helps them get them there. Uh, he's looked really good so far. The big thing, I think the most encouraging thing is that he hit the homer and another hit off a lefty. The one yeah. hit off a lefty was an inside, you know, off the hands. But still, yeah. the home run was a pretty swing off a lefty Fleming.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what I was talking about. You know, I mean, there's, there's situations where you get put on a team and the way they do things is mm-hmm. you just don't get to hit off a same side. You know, you lefty, lefty, righty, righty. There's guys that don't get that chance. And it's not that they can't do it, but they're never going to get better without getting a chance to, you know, basically practice it and, yeah. and do it in games, you know. Those guys always, if there's an injured lefty or somebody like that, and they're going to throw live at bats, yeah. those guys are always jumping in trying to see the ball from that side. But it's just not quite the same when you're in the game. And, you know, he might be able to hit lefties. He's just never gotten that, that opportunity. And maybe he's worse against them and he's not quite the same or doesn't have as much power. But it didn't seem like he really got a chance in L.A. to even prove whether nah. he could do that or not.
0: Early on, he did, and then once they started uh, platooning him, they just stuck with it. You know,
1: you get that stamp. You know, it's it, it never comes off.
0: So he's going to get that chance here. They're not platooning him, and uh, as long as he keeps doing that, they won't platoon him. So we'll see. You know, I don't think it's. Uh, I mean, everybody thinks it's a given, probably that they're not going to pick up that option. But depending on how the collective bargaining agreement goes, how the market goes this off season, who's out there. You could do a lot worse depending on how he hits the rest of the way than pick up a $10 million option on Jack Peterson or pay a $2.5 million pay, uh, buyout.
1: So it's basically a $7, 7500000 million decision whether you want to keep yeah. him or not.
0: Yeah. yeah. And he's a good fielder. Yeah. You know? So No, he's we'll playing see. center
1: field for a while. I'm, I've yeah. seen him in center plenty.
0: And brings a lot. He was their opening day center fielder way back in the day, but you know, the Dodgers. But what he brings, I think the whole package is uh, – We'll see what he does. It's too, too much to go, but I mean, 10 million is not outrageous for a guy like that. that's done what he's done
1: is it mutual or it's just an it awful... is mutual? Okay, it is mutual. So that if he goes off,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's
1: the tough thing is it? you have right. those options have to land in a sweet spot where the player performed right good enough that but bad enough that he doesn't feel like he can go out and get more, but good enough that the team still wants to pay him that option. Those things really.
0: If he likes it here and the collective bargaining agreement could play into that too, you know, if you're a player, you're going to have to make that decision right after the world series. And you don't know what's going to be out there. The landscape you're like, I might have to sign a minor league deal, you know?
1: Yeah, after all that COVID, during COVID last year, how the teams and that that thing was so ugly. I'm glad it's in the past and haven't had to talk about it again, but I don't think that the teams or the players have forgotten about that.
0: And so many guys had to take so much less than they thought they were going to. And so many guys had to sign minor league deals that never thought they would have had to. So um, (coughs) to no one's surprise, Freddie Freeman, or shouldn't be to anyone's surprise, is raking. And. It is miraculous what he has done to his numbers in a span of a couple of months. He went from yeah. middle of May going, this just might be that year Chipper talked about when he hit two forty. This might be yeah. the year where and and remember Freddie said I don't want to have a year where I hit two forty with thirty home runs. It's not what I want to do. He won't. And now look at his his numbers are basically back where they should be. The OPS yeah. is is almost over nine hundred now, and a guy just hit back homers and back to it games four homers in five games stretched through Saturday. His numbers will just
1: look like another year at the end of the year. You know, when you look back at this season, it'll just be like, yep, Freddie did what Freddie did again. But it won't tell the story of where he was at early on.
0: He he did a really good job.
1: He did a really good job sticking with his, you know, like he said, when he was hitting the ball hard, things weren't working. He did a good job just sticking to his plan and, and being himself. And that's what I'm talking about with guys like, you know, maybe mentor gets in trouble. You start trying to do too much. You start trying to change things and guessing. Mm-hmm. And Freddie did a really good job, and that's just veteran experience. You know, sticking to your strength.
0: What he had through Saturday, I didn't update it Sunday, but he he had four thirty nine with twenty five hits and four homers in fifteen games. I and mean, those four homers have come in the last five, but twenty five hits in fifteen games. A lot of those balls that were just hitting right at people are going for hits now. Like he said, yep. uh, he's driving the ball using all fields again. He looks like Freddie. So if they keep Dansby Swanson doing what he's been doing lately, Jock Peterson addition, I say you you swing for what, if you could swing a deal for one guy, guy, I think of big Gallo, guy like that. But if you bring in one guy, uh, this lineup looks a whole lot better than it did a few weeks ago. That's for sure. When you had the bottom half of it basically was journeymen and backup types, you know, filling four spots.
1: Yeah, I mean, just, just solidify things, you know, and, yeah. and hope that the team has some guys coming back and Noah comes back, Darno comes back. And yeah. if you can just tread water until that point and, and maybe improve at the deadline, that, get your foot in the door, who knows?
0: Yeah. All right, well, we'll see. We'll see where they stand in a few days here. It's not going to surprise me if a trade happens, you know, out of the blue, that's the way it happens with uh, – Seemingly out of the blue with with uh Alex Antopoulos. There's there's rarely in, any hints or leaks before before it happens. Like Chuck Peterson. Nobody, nobody in Chicago, nobody anywhere had that coming when it happened. So and he pulled off the trade for Stephen Vogt at like midnight after a game.
1: I was just thinking, you know, those are two pretty good clubhouse guys, too. That might yeah. be an angle they're playing. Yeah,
0: it is for sure. The LaCroix replaced yeah. by him. That was a lot to do with it right there. Yeah. It wants the right guys in this, especially when they're struggling like they are. You know how important that is during these times where, you know, you're trying to hold this whole thing together, how important it is that everybody's... Yeah. Nobody's starting to talk shit about the manager or the moves that have or hadn't been made or, you know, screw this, I'm going to get mine.
1: That's a part of it right there, for sure. All
0: right. Well, we will talk again on uh, Monday from... No Thursday, Friday, Friday from here after this. <laughs> third, where are we going to be? God, it's a blur now. Philly, going to Philly on Thursday. I will be there. I'm going to do that whole trip, Philly and New York, and we will talk from from Philly on Thursday and see where the brave stand. Man, as this thing get inches closer to uh, nut cutting time and trade deadline time and everything else. So, all right, cool. seven fifty five is real. We're out.